What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome into the Celtics Live Podcast. I am your not usual host. Uh, your usual hosts, Cam and Alex, are having their best Derek White impersonation, trying to have a life outside of basketball. I'm here instead with an incredibly worthy replacement in Jeff Zilgit of USA Today, a guy who I grew up uh, watching or listening to on podcast myself. I'm really excited to have you here to talk all things Eastern Conference Finals with the Celtics and the Heat. How you doing? I'm good, Justin. How you doing today, man? A little overtired with the late presser getting out as late as it did. Uh, but yeah. besides that, um, not incredibly thrilled with what I saw, but we could talk all about that. Yeah, yeah. So there was a well, there is a similar pattern coming together with what we saw in the last round, but there's also some difference in the character of the games themselves. So they we were seeing uh Miami win the first game, Celtics come back, win the next, and then Miami come back and win the game after that in a very similar pattern to what we saw last round. Um, In this round, what we seem to be seeing, though, is much bigger margins of victory. Uh, Any thoughts on how this series compares to the last? Yeah, the only thing I really like about what you're saying, Justin, is that this back and forth, and I fully expect, I know we'll probably get into game four a little bit, but I fully expect Boston to come out the aggressor in game four and Boston winning game four is not going to be a surprise to me and have this series two, two. I, I think if we sort of take what Eric Spolster said, um, almost after every game of this series, he has a very, you know, sort of stock answer about this is playoff basketball. These are two quality teams, especially on the defensive end. They make life incredibly difficult to score and I know both coaches aren't going to say this about themselves, but they're both really, really good coaches. And I know Eric has probably, well, he does have more experience in these situations, but Ime is proving himself to be an excellent coach. And so they make the adjustment. Um, You know, Miami realized, you know, that they they just had a, a poor offensive aggression in game two. And so we saw Bam come out almost from the start. Um, you know, driving to the bucket, looking for a shot, looking to pass. I think Eric Spolstra and the rest of the Heat say that so many of their offensive triggers run through Bam and how he sets up the offense. And you see so many times that, you know, whether it's Jimmy Butler or Kyle Lowry, they'll get the ball head to Bam and let him sort of run point center or whatever definition we want to use. And, and so regardless of the, the the margins of victory that we're seeing one team, you know, jumping out to 30 point leads or 26 point leads. I think that back and forth from game to game is what we're going to see. Now at one of these points, I realized Boston didn't make it close there at the end, like was it 93, 92. And there was part of me that thought, okay, no, Jimmy Butler, the heat are withering on the vine yep. right here. Um, that didn't happen. And we can get into some of those mistakes. I think that you see, um, from Bob, they sort of manifested itself in, in those final couple minutes that we saw in the previous 46. But, you know, I just fully expect the adjustments to be made game to game. Players realize what they can do better and, and they put the other team 
you know, on their heels. And it's, again, not going to be surprising to see this back and forth go all the way to a game seven. So now the Celtics have the third best odd to win the title for, according to our sponsor, Bet Online AG at plus 325 odds behind the Warriors with negative 130 and the Heat with plus 300. That kind of makes sense to me. Um, just to just slip in the obligatory ad read here, our partners at Bet Online continue to be the one number one source for all your betting needs and sport info. Find all the latest sports development, including updated odds on these particular playoffs after that blowout loss, uh, fights, and even next season's futures. Don't forget that baseball is also back. The start of Major League Baseball season is here. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting in your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. I want to talk about Robert Williams. Uh, some of the things that got uh, Bam going were the ubiquitous presence, not ubiquitous, but the presence of Daniel Tice uh, in the starting lineup on the floor throughout the game. He was not exactly the best matchup for him. He did better than I anticipated, but I wanted to get your opinion on how important the health of Robert Williams is going to be for the series. Yeah, it, it, well, and we will probably get to this too in a minute. The overall health of about every player on the court, it seems someone has fallen down, went to the locker room, wondered if they were going to come back. We, we still wonder about the availability of players. So Robert Williams' presence in the paint and his ability to do so many things defensively, you know, I, you know sort of the standard really good pick-and-roll bigs who can run to the top of the key, get back to the rim, but also against a guy like Bam, who, you know, operates, as we were just saying, sometimes as a point center, you know, having a guy with some quickness can slide his feet, have some length, jump. Th that is really key for the Celtics. You know, you know, I don't think we always have to look at Robert Williams numbers, you know, his scoring. We, we know his scoring is going to come what on lobs, putbacks, you know, there's not going to be a ton of plays, you know, run in half court sets, unless it's those lobs. Robert Williams. And, and so it's not always his box score line. It's the things I think that you're alluding to is making life difficult for Bam Adebayo. Mm -hmm. um, and then when, you know, the Celtics decide to potentially go a little bit smaller, whether they take Al or Robert off the court, one of the two for Grant Williams in the lineup, you know, that was a really nice lineup in game two, you know, that that worked really well for them but it helps to have Robert Williams on the court to start that, you know, when you start with no Robert Williams, the heat certainly saw some ways to take advantage. And I don't have point paints or point. Let me get this right now here. Paint points right in front of me right now. But when I did take a quick glance at game three, I thought the heat at one point, you know, were, were had about an 18, 20 point advantage. I don't know what they finished at. Um, or anything like that, but you, you could see that Miami was also trying to take advantage of that as much as possible. And so anytime you can have a rim protecting big, who's pretty versatile, um, you know, that that's going to be key, but getting players back in general. I mean, I didn't Marcus smart. I, I just didn't know that he would re return um, like that. Um, Jason Tatum Stainer obviously looked really, 
you know, painful in the moment. You could, you know, players get stingers all the time. And so you could see why you come back for that. But as much as Marcus Smart is on the floor and, and gives his body, and then we're going to find out, uh, you know, obviously before game four, but knowing the availability of some Heat players, Jimmy Butler doesn't play the second half. Tyler Hero doesn't go in late in the game. And Eric Spolstra sort of said it was both a what he wanted on the court, but both he did, wasn't sure of the health of Tyler Hero. And he also acknowledged he couldn't get a good answer from his training staff because it was so loud in the building. Oh, um, boy. It, it, it's a, he wasn't even sure at the postgame press conference. And, and so, you know, again, there's a little bit of a battle of attrition um, going on in this series um, as well. Eric Spolster said the you know, adversity that both teams are facing is because of the intensity and the high level of play um, on the court. So mentioning that Kyle Lowry was another one of the players who has been working his way back to health, and he doesn't seem to be entirely back from health. They are doing this thing where they keep having him come back to the, to the locker room to be stretched and, and to kind of like stay warm when he's not on the floor. Uh, like it seems that he pro- did provide a really big boost to them, but they also on a win without him. So it seems that at least in theory with the position they're in now that without him, a game would be survivable. But what about say Jimmy Butler or Marcus Smart? Like what, what players are absolutely critical for each team going forward? I I think Jimmy Butler is non-negotiable for the heat. Um, I I don't think squandering a 15 point lead in the NBA is a huge deal these days. And, and so it doesn't surprise me that Boston got back. Um, but I will say I'm not sure that Boston gets back quite the same way if Jimmy Butler is on the court in the second half. He, he's got a defensive presence. I know that it's a lot for him to carry because he's you know, going to be guarding a Jalen Brown or a Jason Tatum a lot of the time, or maybe even sometimes mar- matched up against Marcus Smart. And those are two big physical, you know, square bodies, um, you know, going at it uh, right there. So I think that's – the Heat can't win this series without Jimmy Butler to some degree. Um, Marcus Smart, I, I, if we're trying to break it down, I think the Celtics would have a better chance to win a game and win the series without Marcus Smart than the Heat without Jimmy Butler. I, I just think that there's a few more weapons, um, especially offensively um, for the Celtics with Jalen, with Jason, with Al Horford. Um, I think that's enough offensively. I think the main question for the Heat is who can score after Jimmy Butler. I realized Bam Adebayo did last night. And P.J. Tucker with 17 points, he had four big free throws um, down the stretch, and he loves his corner three um, and everything. But, you know, he's not a second scorer on your team. Um, and, and so you remove Marcus's scoring – which I realize is important, but you still have three other guys who are capable. I think we saw, you know, in game, uh, you know, what three guys had, uh, I know Marcus maybe was one of them, but you know, they have guys who can score in the twenties, Alcan, obviously Jason and Jalen average uh, above 20. Um, so that's how I sort of break that down. Uh, my guess is that if Eric Spolster said that no MRI was needed af- after game three, my, my guess is that there's probably going to be, you know, some availability for Jimmy in game four. Now, if it continues to get worse. And I was just thinking about this real quick, Justin, about both of these teams. I, 
I understand it's probably difficult on one hand not to play Jimmy Butler in the second half because Spolstra said that this was a training staff decision. So, and Eric is making a big point that his players hate when the training staff is talking to him because he, the players know that they're talking about their availability and everyone has to play this time of year. But both teams, the Celtics sat Robert Williams. Yep. Key game. They sat Marcus Smart in game one. But, but I give a lot of credit to these organizations knowing what's at stake right here, right now, but also just trying to have a big picture view. It's got to be incredibly difficult for that front office, the coaching staff, the training staff to make these decisions and park these guys um, for a game or a half, um, knowing what's on the line, knowing how much they want to be out there, but also taking the players' long-term health uh, into perspective here. I would also say, though, that's why these two organizations have played in conference finals as many times as they have you know, over the past, you know, 12 seasons, 13, how many ever seasons we want to go back. They've been constants by and large deep into the playoffs. And I think it goes to that phrase. Maybe we heard a long time ago about the lockout that, you know, the NBA wants teams to be competitive if well-managed. Mm-hmm. I think these are two really, really well-managed teams. And I would even extend it that it probably begins with the way ownership treats the whole operation. Um, And so again, a lot of credit uh, knowing what's at stake to be able to do that. I know that's a long-winded answer, uh, Justin, that covers a a lot of different topics, Um, but man, that, you know, it's important in this series guys. And it's why guys want to play there um, as well. I'll be completely frank. I was a little worried when I saw Marcus Smart coming Back on the floor, I know that if you can stand on it, then it's probably okay. And the sprains aren't the same kind of a situation to say Robert Williams' knee. But just the amount of punishment I'm watching these players. I mean, we, we haven't been talking uh, as much about Jalen Brown, whose game we should talk about in this particular game. Possibly one of the worst 40-point uh, games I've ever seen, if that makes any sense. Wow. It was very efficient, but uh, that... That I mean, he's been dealing with – in this game, I don't think they were bothering his hamstrings as well. Uh, he's been managing that, and it looks like maybe that has been something that has been affecting his game. But let's talk about Jalen. I mean, the turnovers. He was one of the worst defenders of the seven, but it was really it was really a, across the Celtics. And there's been some fair pushback, I think, against the narrative that seems to be dominant in the Celtics media that – and to a certain extent, it is true – that the Celtics uh, gave the game away by turning the ball over 23, I think, times in this game, 24 times, something like that. Uh, But we also have to credit Miami's defense and uh, Spolstra's adjustments. I think that those definitely played a pretty big role in this, but I wanted to get your opinion on what you thought it was more of. Yeah, and so I think if you – and you probably – I was in the Heat press conference, so I only caught bits and pieces of the Celtics postgame press conference, but it was clear that Ime Adoka was not happy with the way the Celtics drove into traffic Yes, and tried to force things. I realized Jalen counters by saying he's trying to make a play. Mm-hmm. He realizes that Jason doesn't have a shot going and Jalen's shot was going down. You, you, you know, uh, uh, we're not measuring efficiency by taking in his turnovers into account. 
Um, you know, we're we shots taken, his free throws. And, and you look at that, you, but look, I think those were pointed comments, not just at Jalen, um, but other players um, as well. And the Heat, you know, are going to play a little bit different defensively than Milwaukee was willing to give the three. Yep. And Boston completely took advantage of that, especially in six and seven. Miami's going to try to run you off the three a little bit more. And I know that Boston had a good game, too, from deep. And to borrow Ime's words, is they're going to load up on you. And, you know, they're going to make it difficult for that ball handler to have his way. And so that's when it gets to, I thought, you know, again, Justin don't have the numbers. I thought Boston's assist to basket ratio in game two was pretty fantastic, um, especially when they jumped to the, the large lead. Um, I'm not sure that assist to basket ratio was as good in game three for the Celtics. Um, just, and again, that's without me looking at, that's more of an eye test. Um, but, uh, you know, the ball just wasn't moving you know, quite the same way. It did have some possessions. There's no doubt about that. Um, but again, I guess this goes back to, you know, Eric's most stock answer. Boston was the number one rated defense this season. And I believe Miami was a top five. Yep. And I, maybe they finished fourth. I believe it was fourth. Yeah. Okay. So not, you, you, you have two really good teams. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Teams who are committed uh, to doing it, and they have really good defensive players um, on the perimeter. Both teams, you know, you got Jalen, Jason, Marcus, um, you know, Miami probably not as good on the perimeter defense, but obviously you know what Jimmy does and, you know, Kyle is savvy enough when he's on the court. And then you have Bam and we talked about Robert Williams versatility. Well, Bam's got a similar versatility to, you know, run all over the place, guard a couple different positions. And, and so, you know, it's really difficult. And I, I say all this, Justin, with, I don't expect the turnovers to be quite the same issue for Boston in game four. I mean, you, you know, they're going over that film right now and they realize, Hey, here are the things Miami did and here are the things we can do correct it. And that's why I think we're going to have just this back and forth, the swing from game to game. Now I'm hoping we get, you mentioned the margin of victory in some of these games. One of these games, I think we're going to have a pretty tight game start to finish and the kind of, you know, conference finals intensity that we expected throughout. Not that it wasn't, hasn't been intense because when, when Boston was mounting its comeback, again, I thought they were going to take over the game there. Um, and, and again, that illustrates a couple of problems. I know we were going to get into that, but you know, there were turnovers in the final couple minutes. There's a, a, I know Marcus wasn't happy with his sixth foul. Um, I don't think he can get a technical. 
in that spot. You're talking a six point game with, you know, over a minute to go. Yep. And Grant Williams flagrant, which I know Victor just had um, one of two, but they get possession. And, and then there's a, a made free throw and a turnover, you know, like that became a microcosm of, you know, the, the larger um, issue that the Celtics were having uh, throughout the game. And, and so, uh, again, a lot of things I think the Celtics think are correctable heading into game four. Yeah, I see to bar Seth Partners play better adjustment. Uh, that is, is, you know, non-profound of an observation as possible yet. You know, passing the ball with more purpose, uh, being less loose with the handle, like that is the way that this team gets out in transition on you. And, you know, as you were mentioning with the Bucks, like long threes, they, they like the long three because then that bounces back the other direction and gets them set up to get in transition. But that is not the team they are facing anymore. So they, they need to, to adjust to that. But is there anything else they could do, say, in game four to look ahead, uh, in your opinion? And what do you expect Miami? to do going forward. Yeah. Look in this, in this back and forth, like Miami probably thinks, okay, we just need to do the same of what we did. Um, and again, I think some of the availability uh, will play a role um, in that. Uh, I think you hit on a couple of good things about Boston, but I, I do think when you talk about, you know, playing with a purpose, just as Miami tried to get Bam Adebayo going in game three, they're probably going to try to find ways to get Jason Tatum going offensively and get him his shot. Um, you know, he, he, again, talk about not saying profound things, but Jason having a 25 point game and more, you know, is your path to success if you're the Celtics. You know, I don't – was it three for 14 he ended up? Ten points, four rebounds. You can't have an MVP caliber yeah, player then, playing like that. Then, and then you measure the turnovers um, in there. And I haven't looked at every one to see if, you know, which of those seven buckets the other way. Uh, but clearly the Heat um, – and Ime mentioned this after the game. When you cough it up 24 times for 33 points, you know, that that's a lot to overcome as well. Um, but to get Jason, his shot going, which we know he's a great score, you know, th these games happen. Um, and, and I also haven't gone back, looked at enough of the video of his shots yet. You know, every time a coach is asked, well, yes, it's a little bit of what Miami was doing. And I also saw lots of those shots for Jason. They, a couple of them seem to go in and out. Good lucks at the bucket. I mean, you know, sometimes that has nothing to do with defense and that's just, you know, someone missing a shot that maybe went in the night before um, kind of deal. And, and so I saw some of that at where, where I was sitting. I had a good look at some of his threes in the second half and, you know, they look good. They look like Jason Tatum threes and, you know, they just don't fall. And, you know, that can make the difference um, right there. But I, I think Boston being aggressive with him, we'll see what happens with Robert Williams and, that can probably alter some things defensively and limiting the heat that, you know, I know the turnovers will be a big thing, but defensively they're going to look for ways to not let Bam Adebayo have his way. We were talking about this before game three, a group of us, 
Bam was catching the ball in game one and two, almost with his back to the basket at the free throw line and, and almost looking to pass. Very, yeah, pass off almost immediately. And there was clearly a difference in mentality yep. about that and, and getting him to be more direct with the ball to the hoop and then the dribble handoffs, you know, all those triggers that the Heat talk about leads to corner threes and, you know, getting another player on the move and, and cutting towards the basket and everything. I, I think that'll be a big focus uh, of Boston too, is, you know, no matter who they have on the court and available, let's limit Bam's ability to control the offense the way he did. Um, and, and again, defensively, I thought Kyle Lowry, for the Celtics defense, I thought Kyle Lowry did a really nice job early on of one, making sure Bam was involved, but you know, his pace was really nice. He pushed where he had to, um, you know, enough to collapse the defense. He had the one pull up three early on, as you mentioned, not a ton of points uh, from Kyle. And, you know, it wasn't one of his typical games and he's not a hundred percent. But the idea that his experience knows how to control, you know, and dictate a lot of things offensively. I, I think they'll also look to make life a little bit more difficult. I thought, you know, when coaches talk about a player being too comfortable, I thought Kyle was a little too comfortable, especially early on when he grabbed that lead of being able to do what he wanted to do. So have what you've seen so far in this series changed your mind about who you think is going to win and who do you think is going to win? (laughs) (laughs) Because uh, the way I saw Boston play in game two, I thought they have all their guys, they're healthy. I know the Heat didn't have Kyle Lowry, but I thought even Kyle's return there just seems to be too much offense and defense um, on Boston's side. So I was thinking, I, I mean, I became a prisoner of the moment. And I realized that's what the playoffs are. You're, yep. you're a prisoner of what you just watched and saw, and you, you make some analysis based on that. I thought this series was going to be over in five games uh, after that Boston win. You know, they go into Miami. Uh, but my original pick at the start of the series, and I realized it means nothing in the grand scheme of things, and – I picked the Celtics in six, you know, so for that to happen, you know, they're going to have to, you know, win out, um, you know, to get done in six. Um, I do fully expect this to be two, two though, going back. I think it's going to be a seven game series again. I think the Celtics uh, could still win it at this point with all the injuries being out there. I think it's really just going to come down to, as you were talking earlier, the war of attrition of health, on who, who makes it out of this. And then when they get out of that, whatever team is left standing is going to have to face the winner of the other series out West. Uh, and it looks like it's going to be the Warriors. Uh, I wanted to get your opinion on that series. Can uh, Dallas have a chance at making a series of this? I give them like the small chance. Um, I didn't see game one. I was traveling to Miami by the time I landed. Um, I, I missed game one of that series. Um, watched probably the second half of game two um, after I finished a dinner here in, in Boston. That's a game that Dallas can't blow. I, I realized we just said earlier that 20-point leads are nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, today's NBA. Um, but if you're Dallas on the road and, and you're up, you know, 19, I think it was, with seven minutes to go in the second half, so much basketball left to be played. I, I I've seen these comebacks happen, but that's a game. If you're Dallas and you want a chance to win this series, that's the game you need to get right there. 
Um, but I think what we're seeing in that series, and I, look, this probably isn't the last time we see Dallas in the conference finals um, over the Luka era. Um, but Golden State just executed down the stretch of that game. Dallas couldn't get a stop. I know Luka was getting some buckets, but there wasn't a whole lot of other help um, for him. And then, you know, I think we've just seen this when you have the experience of a Golden State team. And look, I don't know if this is in their psyche, but they have to realize they don't have many, many more runs left, especially the way that West is getting better. You know, Memphis isn't going anywhere. I know Phoenix had their trouble, but they're still going to be a a decent team. The Clippers are going to get Kawhi back and a healthy Paul George all season. Um, I'm getting into Denver with getting Jamal Murray back. Uh, And and both conferences, I think, are going to be beasts um, to get through. But you really see, you know, Minnesota is is on the rise, looking to make some, you know, front office changes. It appears there's just so much going on in the West. And I haven't even gotten to the point of, look, the Lakers still have LeBron and Anthony Davis. Okay, so I, I just think the West is loaded. And I, I say all that, and I don't even mention Utah, and we don't know what their future is going to be, but we're still talking about a team that's top four um, by and large. And so I, I just look at that, and the Warriors got to be looking at this like, you, you know, even if they don't win a championship, like we need to get back to the finals now to have a shot because it's going to continue to be more and more difficult to some of these teams, these younger teams get better and better. Um, and, and Look, we saw what Memphis did. They didn't have John Morant for the you know remainder of that series, and so you know that that's why I'm leaning the, the experience. Dallas just isn't quite there yet. Nice leap for them to get to the conference finals from you know where they were, young team not having been to the conference finals before, um, but probably just too much of an ask to get by, win for the next five games um, from the Warriors. So. I want to ask you to predict uh, who you think is going to end up in the finals with all the clouds hanging over the East at the present. But we do have some national news that crosses path with the Celtics in that both Marcus Smart and Robert Williams were recently elected to first and second all defensive teams, respectively, um, to get us out of here in time to get to where we need to be shortly. Uh, wanted your opinion on the fact that the top two vote getters for um, all defensive first team, neither of them was a big man. And I wanted to ask you with Michael Bridges also being held in such a high regard as Marcus Smart, the other top vote getter, um, are we seeing a reassessment on how we look at defense in the NBA? Like it always, always a, a big man's purview, Depoy defensive player of the year was always a big man's award. Like, are we changing the way we think about defense? I think there's two parts to that. I do think that your point is yes. And, and, you know, for those of us who have looked at defensive player of the year for a long time is it gets really difficult to measure perimeter players. You know, uh, they don't have the blocks. Steals is, you know, look, look, is a guy really averaging more than two steals per game? You know, so it, it, it just becomes really difficult to measure. And and then you're sort of relying on the eye test. Mm-hmm. Oh, but let's see this guy measure up and what's he doing? You know, how difficult is he making it? And again, that's hard to tell. You can go look at, well, you know, and, and I've done this and I did it in the last series. 
you know, what was Jason Tatum doing against Kevin Durant? And you can go look up how many possessions he was the primary defender. And then how many times was Al Horford and Grant Williams defending Giannis Antetokounmpo? And what did Giannis shoot when they were the primary defenders? So I realized there are tools at our disposal um, to look at some of that. But you've also heard, you know, there's arguments against defensive plus minus. And so, you know, is that what, what is the end all and be all? And so it gets real difficult. But I do think there's a way to look at perimeter defenders and say, hey, here's how they're trying to slow offenses. You're putting some of your guys, you mentioned Bridges, Marcus Smart types, you know, often on a, a primary ball handler on the perimeter and what's he doing to limit that player. Um, but also I think there's probably a little bit of a backlash at the big man as well. Um, you know, not only are we looking at it differently, but you know, yeah, the big man, he's, he's won it defensive player of the year, you know, most of the time um, we give him the top votes because, Hey, maybe these are things we measure a little bit more points in the paint. Um, block shots, um, you know, that kind of rim protection we talk about. And so it's probably also some backlash at the idea of, and look, Draymond Green is one of those players too on the perimeter who very much stumps for that kind of player. Yep. And then there's probably some backlash just against Rudy in general, uh, you know, in no fault of his own. Um, you know, the Jazz suffer in the playoffs. Rudy takes the brunt of it. When I, I think we watch the games, you know, Rudy's trying to cover for four other players who aren't the best defenders, you, you know, all the time. Generous way to put it, absolutely. <laughs> you know, and, and so you wonder, well, Rudy's not on the court. Well, he, he, he's played off the court because he's got four guys who aren't giving him help uh, sometimes. And so I think there's some backlash uh, in that regard. And, and so I, I think it's a combination of those factors. I'll also say overall, I think the voter today, and I'm trying not to offend anyone who voted 30 years ago, but I'm sure I'm going to. Let me say this. The voter today has more tools at his disposal to Mm -hmm. some of this. I was going to say more savvy, and that's why it probably wasn't fair, uh, because people 30 years ago took their time to vote um, and everything. But what they didn't have is to go look at clips nonstop. Synergy. Today, yes, Um, you you know, and and to look at some of the things that we're sitting here talking about, defensive plus minus, um, individual matchups and who's defending whom on on possessions. And we just have more access to that today. And so I I think with all that information, you know, voters are are changing their minds, not just on defensive player of the year. Um, That's what I think that and most improved are two of the most difficult I'll also acknowledge this year's MVP um, was pretty difficult, but I, I just think everything you can look at uh, today, it may make it more difficult to come up with your vote, but you, you certainly have things that you know weren't available. And, and, and so, again, I don't want to say more educated because that's not uh, quite the right phrase. Evolved. Yes, yeah. that, that, that's yeah. it right there. <laughs> and, and that's been the game, and that's going to continue. Justin, you, you know, 15 years from now, there's going to be that similar thing you and I are talking about right now. Two other people are going to be doing this pod, and, and they're going to be ripping on Justin and Jeff uh, for not being savvy uh, voters uh, and everything. But that Cavemen group, of NBA, absolutely. Yeah, the, the, they're going to have more information and tools to evaluate these things too. 
Cool. Well, I'll get us out of here. Uh, where, if you want to plug before we get out of here. Hey, look, you guys do a great job. Uh, you, you'll have your own plug. You can follow me on Twitter. It's just at Jeff Zilgit. You can read my stuff at usatoday.com. And that, that's as far as I'm going to go with any plugs today. Very cool. Thank you, man. Really appreciate you coming on. And uh, if you haven't already, please like, subscribe, all that good stuff. And uh, Cam, Alex, you better be having fun. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.